Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed Word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message.
I see the king on coming down the clouds with fire. The whole Tasted of your power. You have shown me so much mercy, much more than I deserve. You're the God of awesome wonders. I've tasted of your power. Onisheo, Onisheiano. You have shown me more than mercy, much more than I deserve. My eyes have seen, my ears have heard the wonders of. Your grace when I behold, when I behold the walk, yes, yeah, I just can't stop my prayer. Oh, the words, the words you speak, turns things around. Your 
strong has lifted me.
Our dear Lord and Master Savior, have your way with us this evening, Lord. Have your way. We surrender our will. We surrender our ways to you, Lord. We say, have your way. May your will be done in our lives now and forevermore. Yes, indeed, the great work you have begun in us, molding us and shaping us into who you want us to be, leading us into the perfect plan that you have for our lives, Lord. This evening, may that be a continuation. May it be a continuation, Lord. Indeed, we are amazed by your presence, Father. We gladly come into your presence this evening, surrendering it all. Burn away the chaff, Lord. Burn away the waste, Father. And may what remain be purified. May what remain be the pure gold of us that you have molded into what you want us to be. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, are you ready for the word? How to preach salvation. Put your hands together. Let's welcome Reverend Gilbert. Staring up in our hearts, Lord. Staring up in our hearts, Lord. Staring up in our hearts. Passion for you Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for the canopy of your glory that overshadows us. Thank you for fighting for us and not leaving us at the mercy of the evil one who seeks to destroy us. Help us to continue to go deeper into the mysteries of your salvation so that our hearts will be encouraged and strengthened for the battles that lie ahead. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We thank the Lord. Powerful. We are going to continue on the segment of the book, Jesus is Anointed for You, which is Salvation Message 77 in the book, How to Preach Salvation. Hallelujah. See, a way of looking at salvation is to look at the history and the progression of it. That is what we tried to do last week. That sometimes we try to bring the message of salvation to people. And you may have a very short time. But there are certain essential elements that if you have it in your spirit, an aspect of it could come and it could catch somebody's attention. If you can let them know that Jesus is anointed not just to take them to heaven, but also for your life here and now. Hallelujah. And lastly, we mentioned how the whole salvation um, project, if you could call it a project, is something that was planned by the Holy Trinity in eons of eons of eternity past. Hallelujah. It is like the Holy Trinity came to a meeting and they, they consulted with each other. They huddled with each other. And in as much as they said, let us save man, uh, create man in our image. But even before man was created, let's turn to Ephesians 1. Let's, uh, by way of introduction, Ephesians chapter 1. You notice that, you know, your salvation is not an accident. Hallelujah. For me, I find it, I find it encouraging and I find it um, comforting that I was in God's plans before I was even born. Amen. Because if you just happen to tag along, like you marry somebody, 
this is a maybe not a very good example. It's not a good example. Like, well, I think I can say it. Like, when we are doing marriage counseling, we tell people, tell people, you know, the would be um, spouse, your history. Like, if you owe a boatload of money, let them know before you marry. On the other hand, if you have an inheritance in Wisconsin, a lot of money, let them know. You don't have to have these types of secrets. So also, if you have a child, right? Because they, they are entitled to know that you have a child before, okay? So if you tell them ahead of time, then and they agree to marry you, then in essence, what they are agreeing to is that, you know, in an ideal perfect sense, the child becomes their child too. Is that not so? So when I use the word tag along, I was referring to the other situation where the person doesn't tell you Five years, into, five years into your marriage, then you get a phone call <laughs> that somebody says that, um, you know, your husband is my father. Do you get it? Are you there? And, and it's not just a hello. They, are, they have actually applied for college in the city you live. <laughs> Amen. And then you didn't have plans or room in your heart. They just showed up. In fact, if they call you um, in, in June, you are lucky, or April. They can call you August 12th, three days before the school. And they say, registration is tomorrow, orientation is tomorrow, and I'm coming. And that, all this thing is being done on you all of a sudden. Do you get it? You know, such a person, I, I mean, how many know that the lady can be excused if it takes a little bit of time to truly embrace and accept the person? Yeah. And so uh, they, they, they didn't plan on it. And perhaps the husband, too, he did his business a long time ago. He himself has forgotten about this boy. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Amen. So in that situation, it's like the person will be in the house. Yes, that would be a situation where even where to hang your, uh, hang your clothes can be a problem. A friend of mine, he, he wasn't like a um, tag along tag, but he came to live with some people here in America when he came from Ghana. And the wife one day came and told him, look, remove your clothes. Where you have hung your clothes? My husband wouldn't have space. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. But you and I, we, uh, we were pre-planned by God. So let's look at this scripture. Ephesians 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus, and faithful in Christ Jesus. Okay? Then it says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Verse 4. So this is the verse I'm looking for. Just as he chose us in him, that is in Christ, God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So we are going to stop there. Well, maybe let's add verse 5. Having predestined us according uh, as, as to adoption as sons. You see that word adoption there in the modern English translation has a different meaning. Because um, it doesn't carry the original meaning in the Greek. The adoption here is not what we, how we understand the word adopt, adopt somebody. This word is actually, the literal translation is like placing as an adult son. So if you have an inheritance, for instance, and the nature of the inheritance is such that a child of Jesse's age wouldn't know how to handle it. 
So then, then they, they may say that when the child reaches the age of 18, then we hand over this to him. Okay. But then we need to have documentary proof that he has reached 18. So maybe the, the person who left the inheritance may say, first, not only the birth certificate, but then also there has to be uh, a court document. Uh, or a judge issuing a, a, a document that says that this person is now 18 and has now been placed as an adult son to qualify for the inheritance. That being placed as an adult son, that whole clause is what is translated in the King James as adopt as a son. So you see, it, it, so, so, so it's more like the person is your biological offspring, but they are, they are gr they've grown to a place where they are ready for the inheritance. It's not that somebody's child you are bringing home. That's not the, the notion here. Hallelujah. So God predestined us to adoption as sons by Christ Jesus to himself. In other words, God is placing us as mature sons to be co-heirs with Christ. I mean, a person who is an heir has to be of a certain maturity. Do you get it? But the thing I like about it is that in verse 4, go back to verse 4. It said that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And in verse 5, it said that he what? He predestined us to adoption as sons by Christ Jesus according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, these are mysteries we won't get into. But what we know is that God, through the corridor of time, knew ahead of time. Is God placing um, playing favorites? God has not condemned any particular person to hell. Hallelujah. In fact, when you read the book of Revelation, it says somewhere that I will not blot out your name out of the book of life. So in other words, perhaps everybody's name is in the book of life. Unless those who choose not to follow Christ, then your name will be blotted out. Amen. So in essence, what it means is that through the corridor of time in eternity past, God saw that this person and this person and this person will believe in my son Jesus Christ and already prepared a way for you. Hallelujah. For you to now have the opportunity to accept Christ. And for me, what that means is that your life is part of a plan that God is making. Amen. Your salvation was pre-planned before you were born. It's like a baby that is going to be born. Before they are born, they, are, they, they, are, they buy certain things that they know the baby is going to use. And so the whole plan of salvation did not start even at the time Mary conceived. It started many years before. It was already foretold in Genesis, was it not? That the seed of the woman would do what? Will crush the head of the serpent. Amen. And so now, as we go back to the, the, the chapter, Jesus is anointed for you. One of the things that needs to enter our spirit, enter our heart, is that Jesus of Nazareth is anointed for the total package of what you need for your life. Amen. And your salvation is for your whole person, for your spirit, for your soul, and for your body. So let's go back to our foundation scripture, um, Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. Jesus went to Nazareth. He took the book of Isaiah and he read from the place where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Hallelujah. Now, the thing to remember in this passage is that, you see, it seems to be putting people into categories. Is that not so? Now, is, if you look at, at any point in time, the people Jesus has been anointed for, some may be the poor, 
or some translation said the meek. Amen. Some may be what? The brokenhearted. Some may be people who are captives. Captives of sin, captives of death, captives of, uh, of what? Sickness. Because sickness can be a type of a prison that you can't do anything because of your sickness. Hallelujah. And then recovery of sight to the blind, both physical and spiritual, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. All these are different groups of people that Christ's anointing can reach. Amen. And so if you look at it, you may say, well, none of this is concerning me. Well, it's not just different groups of people, but it is also pertaining to different stages that a person can go through. So maybe today you are not poor. Or maybe today you are not brokenhearted, but you, you can be one day. Maybe today you are not oppressed, but another time will come. So it is not just a snapshot moment of what Christ's anointing can do, but it is the whole entire experience of your salvation and your whole entire life. Anytime any of these things come to are of need, remember that Jesus is anointed for you for any one of these things. Amen. All right. And so we started going through the points. Jesus, number one, Jesus is anointed for you. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit decided to save the world. And for that, we read John 3.16. Hallelujah. And then number two, Jesus is anointed for you. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit agreed that Jesus should take the lead and be born through a virgin. Hallelujah. And we read Galatians chapter 4 verse 4. That when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. So we are talking now about the progression. Any project, you know, that you are going to do, you, you break it down into steps. And your salvation was so, such an important project to God that he broke it down into steps. One thing that baffles me that one day when we get to heaven, we'll ask that how, why did it take so long for Christ to come? Hallelujah. Because it is believed that from Adam, from, from the sin of Adam and Eve to Jesus is 4,000 years. So, but, but what it also means is that God waited for the right moment in history. Hallelujah. Waited for the right combination of genes. The right composition of who the, who, which virgin it would be. Hallelujah. The right era of what that would be. Because even if he's supposed to be crucified... Uh, he's gonna, supposed to be killed by crucifixion according to Zachariah, then crucifixion must have been invented as a, a way of capital punishment before he will be born. Do you get it? Alright. Everything God does is according to a plan. That's one thing I wanted to get from this series that, that things don't just happen and even when it comes to our own individual lives, remember that God has a blueprint that he's operating from. Amen. And some of the things are connected to other things that you may not know. Like, for instance, why is, why is uh, God allowing Elizabeth to have her child in her old age? Because her child is supposed to be the forerunner of Jesus. And so their ages must be close to each other. Do you get it? And so for that reason, she had to wait until such a time that Mary is ready to have the child. And then John the Baptist will be born and now become a forerunner of Jesus. If John the Baptist is supposed to be killed by Herod after preaching for uh, three years or so, if he was born in what? 23 BC. He would have been killed by the time Jesus was born. Do you get it? 
So all things have been ordered spiritually. And we, as people of faith, we must know that beyond the natural, there is also the spiritual order of things. And when we submit ourselves to Jesus, and we submit ourselves to the salvation package, and become believers, we must know that there is an invisible hand of God ordering our steps. Hallelujah. Point number three. Jesus is anointed for you. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit agreed that the Holy Spirit will join Jesus at the right time on earth. Hallelujah. So we hear of Matthew 3.16, when Jesus was being baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And now, point number four, Jesus is anointed for you. After Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit, everything changed. Hallelujah. Every, now, everything changed, not just for Jesus. That's one key thing I want you to take from, from this. Because keep in mind that before, before the fall, okay, the Bible says that, you know, after the fall, there's a clause that was used. That when God the Father came into the garden, he said he came looking for Adam in the cool of the day. Is that not so? And if you look at the context, you get the sense, you get the sense that it was something that was happening frequently. It was the normal order of the day for God the Father to come and have conversations with them. Amen. What we call the Garden of Eden, you know, the word Eden can be translated as delight. The Garden of Delights. Hallelujah. And, and what you see, because basically people have been looking for the Garden of Eden forever. No, they haven't found it. There's one clue, Euphrates River. But there's nothing around Euphrates River that looks like the Garden of Eden. Amen. So, was it a physical location? Was it a spiritual location? What I know, what I think, is that it, it was like a, a midpoint between heaven and earth. It was on earth, most likely, but then it, it, it had an a, a, a extra-dimensional aspect to it, whereby it, it, after, the, after the fall, man did not have access to it like he had before. But the point is that when God entered the garden and was talking to them, it says that uh, he came in the cool of the day, and the word cool can also be translated spirit. So it's like he came to, to commune with them in the spirit of the day. Hallelujah. In the spirit of the day. The, the, there is something that we lost because of the fall. Because he says that in the day that you shall eat, this you shall die. But they lived on, Adam lived to 900 and something years. So that death that happened to them, the immediate death was the presence of God living. Was the glory of God living. Otherwise, how is it that they discovered that they were naked? Amen. I mean, all of a sudden, they discovered that they were naked. They were naked all the time, but they did not see. Why? Because they were clothed by the glory of God. Their clothing was the cl glory of God. Are you there? I mean, in heaven, I don't think that they, that they have uh, tailors here, people here, like, close. And, and I, I think there's a different kind of clothing in heaven. Hallelujah. But when the glory left, that is when, all of a sudden, they started going like this. Because, because now, things are showing. Amen. What we are dealing with is that after the fall happened, something bad happened to man. We lost, we lost part of our, our abilities. The, the set of things mankind could do was lost. But you see, we need to look at the work of Christ also in terms of the restoration and the restitution that Christ coming and the Holy Spirit coming upon him when he says everything changed, everything changed for Christ. Hallelujah. In terms of what his abilities were. Because we are told in Ephesians 2 
that he emptied himself. Maybe we should look, read Ephesians 2, because some of these scriptures will complement. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Not Ephesians, Philippians, sorry. Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. Because we know that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, was he not? And even when he was in the mother's womb, the power of the Holy Spirit was still present. So much so that even when the mother greeted Elizabeth, a power caused John the Baptist to move. But then after he was born, it seemed like he seemed like an ordinary kid. Hallelujah. It seemed like he withdrew himself. Okay? Maybe let's go to verse, jump to verse 2 and we'll keep going until I tell you. Okay, next one. All right. Verse 5. Okay, let's start here. Let's start from verse 5. Let this man be in you, which was also in Christ. Okay, next verse. Then look at this. Being in the form of God, did not consider the robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. So in other words, he was divine. Amen. But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. Hallelujah. So even though he is God, divine, but he stripped himself of his divine abilities or divine entitlements, his divine qualities, and decided to appear ordinary as a man. In fact, that is the very reason why he needed the Holy Spirit. Because in his divine form as son of God, he is already God. But the whole plan was that he was supposed to be the, the pattern, the blueprint, the prototype of what any man who is in right relationship with God will be like. That you are in right relationship with God, but then you need Holy Spirit to help you accomplish your mission. So he made himself the example for us that he's willing to lay aside his divinity, lay that aside, and then come to John the Baptist like everybody came to John the Baptist. Like an ordinary man, like an ordinary man walking the planet. And therefore, he needed the Holy Spirit. Okay, next verse. He being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. Hallelujah. Okay, so that in some translation, when I say he made himself of no reputation, some translations say he emptied himself. Hallelujah. And so now, when you see, it says, when, point number four, Jesus is anointed for you. After Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit, everything changed. That clause, everything changed. For me, it means a lot. Everything changed for him. Amen. Because now, he has received by the glory that was now departed from mankind. That man, was, man lost the glory. He has, as the representative of the new race of humans, everything has changed when the Holy Spirit came. All the options have changed. If you go to a restaurant and you didn't know what the cost was, okay, you thought it was a dollar seventy for every person in the buffet place. You didn't see the decimal point. Are you there? You thought there was a decimal point after the one. You thought it was a dollar seventy, and so you and a group of your friends, seven of you, you tell them that I have enough money to spread all of you, and you go there. And the people are telling you, look, it's enough. They say, look, we are not hungry. We are not full. And you keep on eating. So, as it's time to pay, okay, it's time to pay, then you discover that it's not seventy. It's actually $17 per, per head. 17 times 7 is what? $17 plus 49. Is, is that not so? One or something. And 
119. So now, all of a sudden, you realize that you don't have the money to pay. And you are st sitting there thinking of what to do. How do you do it? How do you get out of here? One time I want to, it, it may not be, it may not be, uh, you think this is something that cannot happen. I went to a, a certain restaurant uh, in downtown, and they, they, they have a, a picture of someone, and, and, um, and they've written there, this person is not allowed in this Chinese restaurant ever again, because he came on this date and did not pay. <laughs> yeah. Amen. So now, you are in a, in a fix. You, it's, like, it's, like, it's like, how do we get out of here? And the people have noticed that it's taking a long time. You finish eating, you finish drinking, and you are not leaving. And they'll be pacing up and down, pacing up and down, watching you, watching you, watching you. Like I took a guy to a restaurant on Hennessy Road uh, over there. And the guy, I don't know, he thought probably I, I can't pay or something. So they, they kept pacing up and down, pacing up and down, pacing up and down. But of course, I, I could pay. <laughs> so you have lost all, and it's getting dark. You see, there's only so much drink you can drink. Filling up and filling up. At a point, you have to go home. And how do you go home? So that if somebody you know, somebody you know has money, your rich friend or your uncle shows up, everything changes. Hallelujah. <laughs> do you get it? This is what the Holy Spirit does. That before, before the Holy Spirit came, mankind was limited as to what we can become. And, and so, when he said Jesus is anointed for you, one, he was baptized and the Holy Spirit came. When he said everything changed, your options have changed. Now, so now, because you finished eating two hours ago, but because you couldn't pay, you've been sitting there for a while hoping for redemption. Now, not only is that person going to pay for the what? $119, right? Now, if you are hungry again, because after two hours of eating, you probably could eat more. The person has unlimited amount of money and then he actually asked, how many are hungry again? Or maybe dessert. Because you couldn't get dessert. Now you can have more. Hallelujah. Yeah. Because once somebody who has the resources and the means shows up, everything changes. And I want you to visualize how when the Holy Spirit came on Jesus, everything changed. Hey, amen. Yeah. So look at the next point. Jesus is anointed for you. Because or bef before the Holy Spirit came, Jesus was only known as what? As a carpenter. Look at how they describe it in Mark chapter 6. Mark says 3. It says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and Joseph, and of Judah, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Hallelujah. So they were used to seeing the normal, regular Jesus. They were used to seeing the natural Jesus. But when the Holy Spirit came in Jesus' life and came upon him, Everything changed, and he's no more the ordinary carpenter. Hallelujah. What do carpenters make? Chairs, furniture. He probably was making coffins as one of the things he makes. Amen. But when the Holy Spirit came upon him, he was actually someone who was began to make the manufacturers of coffin, putting them out of business. Because if somebody is going to die, they are sick to the point of going to die. And you are the one going around healing them. It means that they are not going to die. So the one whose business depends upon people dying. Now, you are putting them out of business. Amen. And then the person who was already dead and they placed them in the coffin. There was one particular case. 
the, the, the widow of Nain, I think that account in Luke, is in Luke, I've forgotten the chapter. But there's a widow in Nain, N-A-I-N, whose child was dead. And you see, I think there were three resurrections that I recall. Okay. One was the widow in Nain. One was um, Lazarus, and the other one was, was the girl, the 12-year-old girl in Mark chapter 5. Is that not so? Okay, there were three resurrections that we know of in, in, the, in the Gospels. So the, the girl, we don't know how long she was dead, but in, the, in terms of the order of seriousness, it kind of grows, it progresses. The little girl, the 12-year-old girl, was still dead in the house, Mark chapter 5. They had not yet, she had just freshly died, I think. And there was a tumult. And Jesus came and called all the people who were crying out and brought only the parents into the room. Is that not so? And then uh, Peter, James, and John with him and the parents in the room. And he prayed and raised her from the dead. And, and she said, he said, she's hungry. Give her something to eat. So you could argue that maybe she was there, but not for too long. But the one who is where? The, um, the, the widow of Nain in chapter uh, Luke, uh, um, Gospel of Luke. The person was dead long enough that they were on, there was a procession to go and bury the person. Do you get it? So you could see that that is the second stage of a death. See, that one, you've already bought the casket. So, and then Jesus caused, a, 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 Jesus caused um, a bit of confusion because, you see, when somebody is dead and they come out to life, it's not a small thing. <laughs> Amen. Like, they were actually carrying the person's casket. That some carpenter made. And then he prayed, and then there was a shaking, and then the child, the person comes out. What do you do with the casket now? Do you get it? <laughs> you can take it to the carpenter and say, I'm, I'll get my refund. Amen. But in the case of Lazarus, he was not just being on the way to the cemetery. He was actually buried for, for, for four days. Amen. What we are talking about is that the anointing the Holy Spirit has the ability to transform an ordinary carpenter. That somebody that people were offended at when they heard that he's calling himself the Messiah. They were offended at him because they said, who does he think he is? We know you around. In fact, the last chair you, you made for me, it, 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 it even broke. And when I sat on it, and I had to come back, and we, 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 you, you, you told me that you are going to credit it against my account next time I'm buying uh, what do you call it, a couch. And so we know your history. And now, but then, what we, people did not realize is that everything changed when the Holy Spirit came. Hallelujah. Now, what, is that, what does that mean for us? It, two parts. One is what Jesus can do for us. It has no limits. Amen. Remembering that the Holy Spirit is God. The reason why you and I are limited is because we were divorced from God in Genesis 3. Hallelujah. And in fact, I think that very likely, very likely, the powers that were given to Adam, the original creation before the fall, I think a lot of those powers were lost. I believe, because if you look at Genesis 1.26, it says that I created you and I, I want to have dominion over all the elements of the earth, all the creeping uh, creeping creatures and all the animals. So the idea that an animal can eat a human being, like somebody went to a zoo and they made a mistake of trying to feed, the, they, they always want, don't feed them. The zoo workers should, are, are, are trained. 
Someone was trying to feed one of these wild animals, and then the animal mistook the person's hand as part of the food and chopped off part of the hand. That thing will never happen before the fall. Hallelujah. Because it seems like spiritually, the animal knew that Adam was their boss. Because God created man to be over those things. And when they were in, the, in Mark chapter 4, when Jesus said, let us go to the other side, and, and there was a storm, the scripture says that Jesus was lying at the back of the boat. And the disciples were going crazy and shouting, Lord, do you not care that we are about to perish? Hallelujah. Because they are looking at a world that is visible to them. A storm is a real thing that is coming at you. They are looking only at the world that they knew. The world that they knew was the sensual physical world where a storm is about to kill them. I don't know what they thought, what Jesus, whether they thought Jesus, Jesus was going to save himself and then they would die. Because they were in the same boat with Jesus. But the scripture said Jesus was fast asleep at the back. So in other words, the storm was making all this noise, but it did not disturb Jesus. Do you get it? And when they woke him up, the storm did not wake Jesus up. The disciples woke him up. And they said, do you not care that we are about to perish? And then the scripture says, he rebuked the storm. Hallelujah. He rebuked the storm and the everything. He said, he said, peace be still. I have a feeling, I could be wrong, but I believe that very likely, before the fall, two things are possible. Most likely, before the fall, either there were no storms trying to kill Adam and Eve. Because perhaps the storm itself is what? A repercussion of the fall. Because the for Jesus to rebuke the storm, what are the people that we usually be rebuke when we are praying? The devil and his cohorts. Amen. So if Jesus is rebuking the storm, most likely the storm didn't come from God the Father. If it is, then he's rebuking his Father. Hallelujah. All this in the insurance is called acts of God. It's not acts of God. They are acts of the devil. Amen. These natural things, uh, disasters that happen. So, Either before the fall, there was no such storms. Or, if there was, if there was, Adam had the power to stop them or rebuke them. Does that make sense to you? That he was invested with power to, to control it. So, all this was lost. So, when the Holy Spirit came on Jesus, it's a new race of humans have appeared in the earth. That's what you need to understand. That a new race of humans, now Jesus is our captain. He is the forerunner of our faith. He is the captain. And he is the picture of what you and I can become. Amen. But even until we can become there and exercise such powers of the age to come, we can look to him that he can exercise those powers on our behalf to deliver us. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you listening to me? And so, when the Holy Spirit came, he went from, it's like what they say, night and day. From a carpenter to someone who can rebuke storms. And the disciples said, what manner of man is this? Who even the storms listen to him? Jesus is anointed for you. Hallelujah. Let's add number five. Jesus is anointed for you. At the river Jordan, the Holy Spirit came. Hallelujah. He whispered to Jesus and said, I am here now. Things are going to happen. Put your hands together unto the Lord. The Holy Spirit whispered to Jesus. The part they made at the beginning, the Holy Spirit kept his part of the bargain. He said, you go first. 
You go and do your part. When it is time, I will show up. And true to his word, at the baptism at Jordan, the Holy Spirit came and he whispered to him, he said, I am here now. Everything is going to change. Let's rise up to our feet. Father, we thank you so much for your mercy, for your grace, for your power, for your presence. Bless us to be able to visualize and enter into this new life properly. That the salvation that came, it came also with the ability to change things. In Jesus' name. Let's bring an offering. Father, we thank you. We, we bless you. We give because we believe that your work will be promoted by our contributions. And any donation we give to support your work, oh God, please remember it. Let it go on record that we have sown our seed to support the agenda of the kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus. Amen.